Welcome to the FFI Practitioner Podcast. Today's guests are Jason Jay, 2023 FFI Scholar-in-Residence, Senior Lecturer at the MIT Sloan School of Management, and Director of the Sustainability Initiative at MIT Sloan. Also with us, John Davis, Chairman and Founder of the Cambridge Family Enterprise Group, Senior Lecturer in Family Enterprise at MIT Sloan, and a founding member of the FFI 2086 Society. This year, Jason's been researching and discussing systemic investing within the FFI community. So let's begin with you, Jason. Give us an overview of what systemic investing means, especially in the family enterprise context. Systemic investing is the deployment of capital across asset classes and uh, in, in concert with other interventions and investments to try to drive systemic change on important social and environmental issues. And um, it, it comes from a recognition that when we do philanthropy or impact investing in a more traditional way, where we tend to invest in particular startups or founders or technologies or point solutions, those often don't end up scaling up to be the kind of change that we really need. And so systemic investing has emerged as an idea among people who are looking to achieve a greater impact and potentially greater financial return by creating ensembles of activity that are transformative on issues like food waste or uh, decarbonizing the shipping industry or pursuing women's health access then would be possible again with kind of more point solution based investing. So there's a real altruistic approach to this kind of investing. This is basically issue based investing and issue based investing. In fact, we just released a case study, Jesse Fink and his and Betsy Fink and their, their foundation and family office and the work that they did on the food waste space in the U.S., that's what they actually called it when they first set out was issue-based investing. And the idea of issue-based investing is that we're going to create a, a, an ecosystem of activity around this issue and drive big change in that issue and drive attention on that issue. And part of driving attention on that issue is pulling in more investment capital. So for the you know $10 million range of investing that they did, they were able to catalyze, you know, one to two billion dollars a year of investing into food waste solutions, which is follow on investment for some of their own, uh, you know, companies that they that they bet on. And so at the end of the day, that's that's good business. Um, so it's it is um, I think there is a impact first mindset here, which you might call altruistic or philanthropic in its notion. But I think the idea of issue based investing is is a good you know i think there's some sound kind of investment ideas behind it because you're not just creating companies or entrepreneurs but you're potentially creating whole industries or spaces of economic activity which you know if you look at the way you know if you look at the big money right in the world the vanderbilts the zuckerbergs the gates like that's you know that Musk, that's like building suites of economic activity, not just single companies. John Davis, you have a comment. Would systemic investing also 
uh, include bringing in traditional philanthropy around an issue, bringing in government support, lobbying for government regulation in certain ways to encourage a particular industry to emerge? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, in fact, uh, Jesse Fink in this case study talks about financial capital, human capital, intellectual capital, um, social capital, political capital, right, that are being brought to bear on these on these challenges. And oftentimes that's what it looks like, right? So you're you're supporting policy work to try to um, create incentives and, you know, carrots and sticks around food waste mm-hmm. at the same time that you're putting philanthropy to work, building a backbone and educational organization at the same time that you're putting venture capital to work on investing in startups um, and growth stage capital in growing those startups. So um, yeah. absolutely, it's a, it's what, so we sometimes use the term poly capital. It's a poly capital approach. Mm. Um, and, you know, and I think that we, I just uh, attended a, a small conference of TEDx speakers who were at MIT and uh, talking about some of the challenges of getting liftoff on some incredibly exciting, uh, pivotal, hopefully transformational uh, ideas. And almost in unison, these various entrepreneurs would say, uh, we're, we're, we're out stumping for capital, but we need more than capital. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you got the very strong impression without an orchestrated um, uh, effort to bring in the government in various ways, local, federal, whatever, bring in traditional philanthropy, get, you know, uh, households mobilized in new ways that it wasn't just let's create a really hot company. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's part of the process. But I think that uh, what I was hearing from these uh, array of really interesting entrepreneurs is exactly what I think you're suggesting that systemic investing is uh, designed to do. John, you're one of the founders of the 2086 Society. How exciting is this research that Jason is advancing? Yeah, you know, 2086 was brought to life because of, I admittedly, frustration with the, not the quality of research we were seeing in the, uh, in the field, but the impact and the relatedness of that, of that research to practical issues and things that practitioners can put their hands on and use. And uh, we've been using 2086 as a way, as a fulcrum here to move the field in a more practical light. Because what you're, what you're after is not only rigor, but relevance. And uh, Jason's research and the work he's been doing at MIT for years now is very valuable, very, not only very practical, but um, the kind of research, the kind of uh, ideas that come out of this that are eminently usable and, um, and can move society, let alone business, in, uh, in new ways. So yeah, 
Jason's Jason's Foley is a wonderful example of what we're trying to encourage uh, through 2086. Well, it's just been a phenomenal opportunity. I mean, to do exactly what John just described um, and try to make things practical because the the role of the 2086 kind of scholar in residence is to, um, you know, is to share your ideas in the large format of keynote talk kind of situations, but also you to get into these conversations with the um, with the with the practitioners in the Family Firms Institute and the faculty of the Gen program and the people who are really trying to um, support families in taking real action. And so, you know, to to land, re, you know, so there's research, right? We've got this 26 case comparison looking at different efforts of systemic investing, and you know, inductively built a whole typology around that to understand it better. Um, but then, really immediately had to sort of translate it into tools and uh, exercises that, you know, we could do with families and with advisors. So the, by the time, you know, the year, the ending of this year of the scholar in residence role um, coincided with going to Paris last week for the Family Business Network conference, where I was set up, you know, to run a two and a half hour workshop for families on systemic investing and um you know we were able to use the research outputs to kind of inspire and spark but we also were ready with a set of activities to help the family's inventory okay how are you using um you know philanthropy investment government um you know advocate what we call advocacy and um and the operating company sort of responsible business strategies in concert um, where are you finding, you know, if, if you want to create alignment within the family toward an issue-based investing approach, like I just described, how do you build that alignment? And um, we were sort of sensitized to ask those kinds of questions just by, na very naturally, by the process that um, I had come through with this, uh, with this 2086 Scholars program. What did you find surprising in the research What's most exciting about this and surprising to me was that the systemic investing had been in the territory of what I would call manifestos. Um, like a number of people had sort of written concept pieces saying, if we want to drive systemic change, we're going to need these kind of more multifaceted intervention approaches, and we're going to need this, and we're going to need that, we're going to need this. And it was kind of hypothetical. And the starting point for the research was to say, hey, you know, William Gibson, the science fiction author, said the future is already here. It's just not very evenly distributed. Um, so if there's an idea, you can probably find it being enacted somewhere. And so we what we wanted to do was go sort of shake the bushes and see what butterflies would come out of it that we could, you know, catalog and and um, and and uh, and understand and collect. And um, I think the first surprise was just how many. Um, you know, the fact that my master's student is going to have a thesis that has 26 cases in it um, of people doing, you know, investing for systems change um, and that it was that it's being explored in such a huge variety of different issues. Like I said, everything from women's health to regenerative agriculture to uh, food waste to climate tech uh, deployment to um, transformations of the financial system.
And in a huge range of geographies from Melbourne to the Congo to the Alpine region of Austria to uh, upstate New York, um, and that there's also a tremendous variety of of ideas and approaches to this whole topic. I mean, there is definitely some people who are kind of calling themselves systemic investors. But when you look at the practice, they really aren't just investing in point solutions, but they just really hope that that point solution is going to be really transformative. And, you know, which I think with, I think, good reason. But there are others like the Finks, and that's why we, you know, kind of went much more in depth on that case study, who are just doing a whole ensemble of activities. They're investing in people and human capital. They're investing in policy change. They're investing in data and knowledge infrastructure. They're doing network building and orchestration um, together with, again, deployment of philanthropy and capital. And it's not, so, 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 so there are, there was a variety of things being done under this umbrella, some of which were really quite rich and complex. And then I would say the last surprise was that I was worried that this that this in practice is a billionaire's game that there is a small number of ultra ultra high net worth people who would have the capacity to be doing this and what struck us was that that's really not the case that it's actually about the way of thinking about it the way of being in this whole space and the um the richness of the activity but the actual dollar volumes, um, you know, even in the in the real swing for the fences examples, weren't in the hundreds of millions of dollars. They were in the tens, you know, they were in the tens of millions, or even um, in the one, you know, in the single digit millions. So um, yes, this is an investment strategy. So we're talking about big numbers, but we're not talking about huge numbers. And therefore, there's a much bigger array of um, of asset owners. Um, you know, families who have the capacity to do this kind of transformative work. Um, there are real barriers to them doing it, though. So, and that's that's hmm. I think a finding. But it but it does involve coalition building, right? Yeah. I'm, right. I mean, because um, you may have a wonderful in investment opportunity and a and a provable technology that is. Um, that can do a lot, but it's not the, it's not going to get, you're not going to create the change you want with just that, I think mm -hmm. is the, is what I'm hearing as uh, one of the lessons here. And yeah, you've got to right. be able to reach out, bring in other types of activities and build almost a new ecosystem. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. right. And, and the idea. No, that's exactly right. And, um, that's it, a very different approach. It's a very and, different approach. And it requires, then, the, the thing yeah. that it requires is that it requires um, some persistence and perseverance. Right. Um, and focus, right? Because you can, you can build an ecosystem around one issue. You can't build five ecosystems around five issues, right? So, right. Um, and I think that degree of kind of commitment and focus and perseverance um, for systemic investing is probably the biggest barrier to people doing it um, in the sense that one of the things that we are noticing is that by and large, the people who are doing this are have pretty simple governance environments. 
meaning that it's like a couple um, who have control of the assets. And that might be because they are a recent, um, you know, they've recently built the wealth from exiting a tech firm or a finance firm or something like that. Or they're part of a multi-generational family, but they've been able to branch off enough and hive off their own assets that they have their own control over in the nuclear family so that they can say, all right, we're going to do this deep dive issue-based investing. In a in the complex multi-generational families where there's a whole network of people trying to negotiate what the family is about and what its investment is about, you're going to have a lot of cooks in the kitchen and therefore a lot of different interests at the table and a lot of different geographies that people care about as well as issues that people are passionate about. And so, um, so you'll often see a more scattershot approach to philanthropy and investing. Um, and it's hard to sort of settle on the small number of themes um, with that kind of deep commitment and long perseverance. And so that ends up being in audiences where we're engaging with more of that type of multi-generational complex family situation, that ends up being the first crux point is how do we not just, how do we understand the system in here, the family system, as well as the system out there that we're trying to transform with these investments? This theme of systemic investing resonates um, with work that Jason and I have been doing at MIT over the past, what, four or five years now, um, looking at the topic broadly that we call family social impact. And how do enterprising families create social impact through their company, through their investing, through philanthropy, through individual and other family activities, through their networking ability, through their ability to lobby the government in various ways. What, through a collection of activities, how do families engineer great social impact? And so we're looking at that through the family lens and the family enterprise lens. And I think you're right. I think what one of the things that we saw is that families do, big families, complex families especially, do have many different objectives and activities that they get connected to to make an impact. But they are long term. One of the things that is uh, striking me here is that families and family enterprise is is a good channel for systemic yeah. investing because they care about the world typically. They want to make the world better for their kids and grandkids and others' grandkids. Mm -hmm. And they and they tend to be very persistent over a long yeah. time period. That's right. And they have flexible capital, right? So they they're not, right. you know, unlike an institutional investor who has a fiduciary duty to kind of maximize return and behave and sort of adhere to certain benchmarks in the capital markets. Right. Some family office staff have those kinds of um strictures, but by and but you know, in general, private wealth is more flexible in capital deployment. And that's what we're talking about exactly is the nature of systemic investing is that you have to be able to listen to what's emerging as a as a new technological ensemble is is arising in the world or 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 other kind of systems change is happening and per, and kind of be responsive to it and deploy capital, whether, you know, it might be philanthropic, it might be more per return, it might be more early stage seed style, it might be more project finance, depending on what's needed 
and that kind of flexibility. So that that long-term orientation, that concern for the society in which you're operating, the flexibility of capital, those are the assets that that make families kind of a key part of the systemic investing equation. Right. The hard part is what I call the centrifugal force, right? Which and is getting the, them to focus. Getting them to focus, yeah. Yeah. Jason will ask you the question, what would you like to see happen next in the research trail? We're going to be continuing to do some butterfly collecting for a little while. I think there's, I think we continue to surface families who are doing interesting things, um, other kinds of investors who are doing systemic investing and just characterizing and understanding it and the process and the practice and the outcomes. Um, some of which are going to be in-depth case studies, some of which are going to be kind of more comparative work. Um, and uh, and that agenda is going to be continuing at MIT now. Um, the um, I think what I'd like to see happen in the family enterprise field more broadly is just this development of a systems orientation in families, right? And and how do families make sense of the um, what I'm going to call the socio-technical system that they're a part of? How do they understand like their business and the technology that they use and the impacts that they have and the way they employ people? Um, how do they make sense of um, the changes that are occurring as we go through a transition to a low carbon society, as we go through a transition to a circular economy, as we go through a transition to um, a more diverse, equitable, inclusive and just um, society and economy? Um, how do they make sense of those systemic changes and how do they seek to participate in them? Um, because the way that I understand this is that the transitions that we're going through right now are kind of like a wave and families have a choice to be hit by the wave, to ride the wave or to make the wave. What determines that orientation? And we're looking at, okay, when people want to make the wave, how do they do it and what do they do? And systemic investing is, and how do we do systemic investing in the most powerful way to help make the wave? But I think there are also a bunch of interesting questions about how do we just even get families riding the wave and not being hit unawares? Our thanks to both of our guests for this interesting and informative conversation on systemic investing and what's been and can be learned within FFI and the field of family enterprise advising and research. For more information, go to ffipractitioner.org. This is Jordan Rich. Thank you for listening.